This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. My guest on the podcast today is Jesse Cole. Jesse is the owner of Savannah Bananas, author of Find Your Yellow Tux, keynote speaker, and host of a podcast called Business Done Differently. Welcome to the podcast, Jesse. Excited to be with you, Nick. Yeah, me too. I'm fired up. Uh, so before we get started on, on the, the Find Your Yellow Tux and uh, starting off and, and doing all this crazy stuff with Savannah, Savannah Bananas, you actually played ball. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I grew up uh, in a baseball family. My father actually bought a baseball facility in Massachusetts so I could work out year round. Uh, it was my life. It was everything I did. And I can't tell you how many times I envisioned the phone call on draft day, getting a call from my beloved Boston Red Sox uh, on draft day. And uh, fortunately, I got pretty close. I got a full scholarship and uh, started hearing from professional teams. But my senior year, I tore my shoulder and that ended that career, but was a huge blessing in disguise. That's very cool. Uh, I, I didn't, I think I played till middle school. That was about it. I, I didn't get the chance. I think I've probably called maybe major, major league baseball teams, but I've never <laughs> actually had the opportunity to have them call me back. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, what, so what's the story behind the yellow tux? Oh, geez. Uh, you know, when I joined the baseball industry, not necessarily as a player, and mm-hmm. I tried actually coaching for a little bit, but I realized I didn't like it as much as I liked playing the game. It wasn't as fun. I realized it was a little too boring for me. And so I got into the front office, took over a very poor performing team in Gastonia, North Carolina, actually probably the worst team in the country. And that's mm-hmm. the only way I got a job as a 23-year-old GM is because no one wanted the job. So <laughs> I took that over. The team was failing, 200 fans coming to the games, only $268 in the bank account my first mm-hmm. day. It was brutal. And uh, as I went and met with people in the community, I heard from over everyone. Uh, now our, our staff wouldn't want to go to a baseball game. It's too boring. Nah, you know, I don't think our nonprofit wants to be a part of it. It's just too slow and too long. I heard it over and over again. And I said, all right, we're going to get people excited. We can't be like a regular baseball team. And I asked that question, you know, what business are you in? But what business are you really in? And we're on the lowest levels of baseball. We're college summer baseball. We're not even minor league. So why would we compete in that? So I said, you know what? We're in the entertainment business. And so my biggest uh, influence is P.T. Barnum and Walt Disney. I said, all right, we're going to put on a show. Our players are going to do choreographed dances during games, grandma beauty pageants, flatulence fun nights, salute to underwear nights. We tried it all. And I said, I got to look the part. And I think a part of, you know, obviously customer experience is huge for us, but also it's the employee experience and the teammate experience. And if you want to give your people permission to give a great experience, you got to give your people permission to have fun and be themselves. And so as the owner of the company dressed in a yellow tuxedo every single day, putting on a show, this is my uniform. I hope I give our our team the same permission to have fun as well. Yeah, I I think it's important to to not just wear the uniform, but actually believe what you believe and live it out. Right. It's, It's not you're wearing your heart on your sleeves, literally. Uh, you know, uh, and, and people see it, not just through your personality, but, but through what you're wearing and how you treat everybody. So, um, I think that's a, that's a great way to get attention, but it's also a great way to keep attention. Yeah. Well, who are you and what do you stand for? And you can ask that to yourself. You can ask that to your team and a yeah. lot of teams there are companies or businesses. They have, you know, this corporate mission statement that no one can remember. You know, they have these values that are just generic words that don't have any meaning. Yeah. 
And so everything we want to say, a visual representation of who we are, what we stand for. And, you know, everything for us is just fun. You know, we want people to have the most fun they've ever had at a baseball game, the most fun interacting with us. And that's what we try to scream from the mountaintops. Yeah, it's, that's so cool. You know, uh, you went from what you just said uh, with, uh, uh, with the Grizzlies, right? Uh, where it wasn't very good. You, you were basically the last person, to, the shortest straw that, that got the GM job. Um, yeah. How did you take that from that to now having a three-year waiting list? The last three years have been sold out. Kind of walk me through, how did you flip the script and say, hey, besides, besides the whole uh, the, the grandma pageant, which I think is hilarious, and you can kind of go into that if you want, um, but what else did you do? Well, I think, uh, you know, when I started, obviously, I didn't really have any idea what I was doing at all. The first thing that I was fortunate was I started learning from outside of our industry. You know, I think so many people, they just look at people in the industry. Oh, look what they did. Let's do that like them. No, for us, if we're in the entertainment business, we shouldn't be learning from other sports teams. We should be learning from like Carnival Cruise Lines. We should Mm -hmm. be learning from different resorts, different entertainment acts like Cirque du Soleil, uh, P.T. Barnum, Walt Disney. And so that's what I started learning from and just testing things. And, you know, for us, everything became experimentation and testing. We just tested nonstop. I mean, dig to China night where we actually buried a certificate for a trip to China in the infield dirt and fans dug after the game, tore up the whole field and the woman found it. It was a one-way flight to China, no flight back and no accommodations. <laughs> she was like, what did she just give me? And, uh, but you know, we started, some of those didn't work as well. We ended up giving her a cruise, but you start experimenting and you start experimenting. Like the first time the players did a choreographed dance, I'll never forget. They were dancing on the field and I'm walking through the grandstand and this woman, is, is, is wife is talking to her husband and she goes, shut up, honey. They're about to dance. And I was like, <laughs> we got something right now. And so we just started testing. And I think so many, so often, so many companies, so many people are afraid of what people will think. Mm. You know, if you mess up, I get it. I get it. If you only do a few experiments or tests a year, if you do one, it doesn't go well, everyone will notice. But when you do hundreds and thousands and two to three or four a day, no one notices. It's what's your next at bat. And so a little of the premise, Nick, that we do is whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. Mm. People don't get excited about normal. Normal gets normal results. And yes, in Savannah, you mentioned every game sold out, wait list in the thousands. But you know, I was sleeping on an airbed, as you know, who read my book and heard the story. I was sleeping on an airbed because we were trying to be like everyone else. We were marketing like everyone else. Yeah. So we had to take that chance. And yeah, I mean, we do things, you know, whatever is normal, do the exact opposite. We actually even had a night called a backwards night. And we asked fans to come in the stadium backwards. I think you heard this one. It had come in backwards. And literally, we started in the ninth inning, went backwards there. The seventh inning was really the third inning. We had the seventh inning stretch in the third inning. Then after the game, we had the first pitch, the national anthem. We had our, our announcer read the pregame announcements for 30 minutes as fans were leaving the stadium. All right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Did it draw any extra fans? No, but it made people leave the stadium and say, you know what? That was fun. Right. And when people interact with your company, they interact with you personally or your people. What are they saying? What are those words you want them to say? With us, we just want fun. We think that's yeah. most important for our brand. That's, that's, it is so important. You know, one thing that you did mention was around employee experience. Yes. Um, how do you get buy-in um, to everybody else in the organization saying, <clears throat> all right, guys, I'm going to put the yellow hat down for a second. <laughs> and what we're going to do is all of our players have to dance. Mm-hmm. What I want you to do is have somebody give out free high fives, right? <laughs> what I want you to do is um, have a grandma pageant, pageant yeah. and get crazy. How did you get that buy-in from everybody else? Struggled at it first. You know, as a 23-year-old GM with our first team, you know, I was just constantly do, 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 because I don't think you can learn until you start doing, you know, do and then learn. 
Henry Ford had that in front of the Henry Ford Museum. He said he learned by doing. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. So we were just constantly testing things. I think it really started to happen when um, we started to realize what the big difference was in the intentionality of the fans first experience. We named our company Fans First Entertainment. We yeah. made our mission Fans First Entertain Always. We made every decision that we make is based on asking the question, is it Fans First? And so when that intentionality, we came up with our Fans First way, which is our core beliefs and follows the alphabet, always be caring, different, enthusiastic, fun, growing, and hungry. And we hired a fans first director to oversee all this. I mean, we started having clear intentionality and it happens well before this. So for instance, all the videos we put out, we talk about who we are as a leader. I share every day on LinkedIn, I'm sharing stuff. So are not only just for, you know, fans and followers, but for our people, you know, Bob Iger with Disney said it best. He goes, often I just lead by press release. I was like, what do you mean, Bob? And he goes, well, I would say this is the vision of where the company is going and everyone on Disney will see that. And they see it from the top. So yeah. I set that tone as a leader, sharing who we are and what we believe in. Mm. And we interview and video our people constantly. I mean, to get hired with our staff. You have to do a video cover letter because um, we want to see your energy, who, how you come across the screen. We have a full video team. So we're filming everything at the ballpark. But right. uh, we do our fans first essay, how you fit the fans first core beliefs. And then we have a future resume, not what you've done in the past. We want to know what you've done in the future. And mm. what's really important is before people even get to that three-step process, we have videos where we interview our people, say who should not work for our company. Mm. I think it's very intentional. And everyone on our staff said the same thing. People that can't deal with change. People that can't deal with constantly things moving, a fast-paced environment. So if you already know that beforehand, we're already phasing out people that shouldn't be part of our company. Right. And, and last year, Nick, when we hired a new position, a director of group experience, um, I wrote a, a, a post. I said, do not apply for this job. And I gave all the reasons on why you should not work for this company. <laughs> and we got very few applicants. And, and, and our staff was like, Jesse, we've got very, I go, it worked. Yeah, because out of that, I don't know, it was 20, 25 applicants, all of them were pretty qualified. They knew what they were getting into. So I think you got to be really intentional on who you are, but who you are not for. And that starts the whole process of how we create that fan first experience for our people as well. Yeah, the thing that I think I've heard throughout that whole process is, is, is test and verify, but also get productively uncomfortable, hmm. right? Like thinking through that process, there's a lot of things that you're going to fail at. Oh, yeah. Uh, but if you're going to learn a ton and a ton faster than everybody else. Yeah. How fast can you learn? And so the only way you learn so fast is if how fast do you test? And yeah. so what are we testing today? What are we testing tomorrow? What are we testing next week? I tell yeah. our people, if at the end of the season, we don't know a lot more, we didn't test it. We didn't try enough things that might not work. Mm. So you, you did a lot of, you've done a ton of promos and you've tested a lot of them. <laughs> what was the one that you thought was the craziest that actually worked? No, jeez. You know, it's, it's, it's so funny and I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not going to completely politically answer this. I'll get to the answer, but sure. I get asked this question and the question about, you know, the biggest failures we've had. And I'm constantly thinking this, I go, I'm not even fo focused on what we did in the past. I'm focused on what our next at bat is. Mm. And again, one of the best things, Pete Rose had more hits than any major league player in the history of baseball. Yeah. He also had 2000 more at bats than any other player in major league history. You got to mm -hmm. keep having more at bats. So we're constantly focused on our next at bats, but Oh geez. I mean, we did a cold Turkey last year uh, where we actually had two grown men on the field with actually huge frozen turkeys. This was not, this was breaking every health code violation there is. <laughs> we literally had two adult men try to get the Turkey as hot as it could possibly did. And we took the temperature of the turkeys. So these guys were rubbing it on their belly. They were sitting on it. They were putting it against their face. It was completely disgusting. We'll never do 
that one again. So that didn't work as well. Um, the living pinata we did last year, we literally had uh, an intern get in a turtle costume. We had two kids with plastic bats and they went on the field and they had to start hitting them, hitting the, the turtle with the bats. And while he threw candy in the air, that was called the living pinata. We'll never do that again. Um, but to answer your question, the person that worked the best was, uh, you know, the breakdancing first base coach. We have a breakdancing first base coach that dances every game. It's unbelievable. Our banana nanas, our senior citizen dance team that danced to Justin Timberlake, our 25 beast band, banana, banana pep bands, unbelievable. Our male cheerleading team, the mananas, the night we play in kilts, our players are actually undefeated playing in kilts. There's a lot of things that we do that's fun. And like, even this year we're testing, we got a new intimidation coach. Uh, he's a luchador, a professional wrestler from Juarez, Mexico. And he's actually in a full Nacho Libre type like wrestling outfit in our dugout. And he's right next to our team grandma coach. We have a grandma, 65 years old, is in a rocking chair. So those are two of our coaches this year. Not to okay. mention, we also hired a professional sign spinner who actually, you know, throws signs up in the air. Yeah. But he'll be giving signs at first. So professionally oh my giving signs. So those are some of the things we're trying for this year. But again, one or two of those won't work, but maybe one does. Yeah, what does the what does everybody else in your leagues think of of you guys? Regardless of what they think, it doesn't really matter. But you know, when you have a, a sign spinner who's giving out signs to to you know, or or a third base guy or or a break dancing yeah. first yeah. base base coach, what does everybody else think? You know, are they saying, "Do I want? How do I get on your team? Or how do I stop laughing at these guys and actually play baseball?" Yeah, so that's a that's a, a loaded question. So players want to play for us. We're very fortunate. You play in front of a sold-out crowd. You're treated like a legend. Um, when they go out, they don't have to buy meals much. I mean, people – I can't say that because of NCAA violation, so I did yeah. not say that right there. But yeah. the reality is uh, they're taken care of really well. Uh, we have over 1,000 players uh, have the opportunity to play for us every year. We only choose 30. Um, uh, other coaches, other owners, uh, they shake their head at me a lot in what we're doing. They think it's uh, sometimes a mockery of baseball. And I think, uh, I think the traditionalist of baseball is a mockery of baseball. We're losing mm. fans every day. I think that's the mockery of baseball. The fact that baseball hasn't changed and they're losing fans every day and the average baseball fan's over 60 years old. That's mm. my opinion. But then uh, uh, overall, I think people uh, know when you come to Savannah, it's a circus. I mean, we just hired um, fire breathers, stilt walkers, unicyclers, aerialists to hang from the mountain. Like we're having a circus literally this summer at the ballpark. So I think, you know what you're signing up for. And uh, if yeah. you're on our team, it's a great home and field advantage. We've won more games than any team in the league the last four years. And I think that's part of the advantage. Yeah, that, that is awesome. The one thing that I, I believe I heard from you um, at, at another organization or another event that you were speaking on is um, when players come to you mm -hmm. and they are actually performing at a higher rate mm. than they have their entire career. Can you explain that? Yeah, it was something that I said candidly. I mean, you know, I like to share a lot and talk a lot about the craziness. And I was uh, speaking at a uh, Georgia Southern and uh, in front of a professor and students. And I was talking about, hey, our players play better than any other team in the league. We've won more games. You know, here's our record. And it's because they have fun in the culture. And I didn't know it at the time, but the professor was just shaking his head at me. And so he's like, what is this? And so three months later, after that presentation, he sends me an email and says, uh, hey, Jesse, uh, your statement about the players play better because of the fun, the culture, and the atmosphere. Well, the last three months I've been studying this. We've studied every player in your league, how they played at college and how they played for the teams during the summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I think you'd find the results pretty interesting. And I'm like, oh, geez, he probably found that it's not true. So right. He goes, we did the correlation. We looked at strikes, uh, strike to walk ratio, batting average, on base percentage. We looked at all this. He goes, every team in the league had zero correlation. They actually did not play better, except for one. 
and it wasn't even close. It was the strongest correlation we could see. By putting on a bananas uniform, you actually play better. And because of the fun, the atmosphere in the culture, he goes, it's proven. And then we did the stats last year. He sit backed up again. And now he's coming back for this third year and he's individually working with 15 players to follow them and get more info. But yeah, he's doing a whole research project and it was proven when you have fun, when you're part of a great culture and a great atmosphere, you will perform better. It's that recognition feedback loop that I think every company should focus on. How are you making your people feel like they're doing a great job, giving them fun and uh, you'll see their performance take off as well. That's so cool. So what does the MLB have to learn from you. Uh, let's say the let's say the the Red Sox, right? They they didn't call you, but let's say they they are now calling you and saying, "Hey Jesse, how do I get my players to play better? Um, and how do I create a better fan experience? Um, and, and I and the pocketbooks open. What do I need to do?" Well, the crazy thing is you don't need any extra money. I mean, we're doing with a shoestring budget. Uh, we have zero marketing budget. We put money into the experience. But, uh, you know, I have a love for the Red Sox. I was bat boy when I was five years old, sat next to Wade Boggs and, and Roger Clemens. And I got to pitch at Fenway when I was 20, um, which was really, really cool. But um, very simple. Um, you got to break down the barriers. Break down the barriers between the ball players and the fans. And what I've realized more than anything is seeing, you know, our players go into the crowd and deliver roses to little girls during the games. You know, they dance on the dugouts, they have fun, they do music videos, they're out there interacting, they pass out programs and take pictures before the game and after the game and give out free s'mores to the fans. You know, they are part of this. And what happens is they get this unbelievable feedback loop as well. The players and, and the fans are hearing this, how great what they're doing. So they just want to keep doing it. I mean, just the other day, we, uh, in Savannah, we have a beach uh, 30 minutes out, Tybee Island. It's where my wife and I have a small place as well. And they, uh, we shot Baywatch. We literally had all of our returning players in bananas bathing suits, diving into the ocean, running on the pier with banana inflatables. And the guys came back to me and they said, Jesse, that was the most fun shoot we done. Why? He goes, everyone had their cameras. Everyone was video. Go bananas. Everyone's chanting. And I was like, how good does that feel as a college ball player to be able to say like, treat it like a celebrity, like you actually matter, not because of what you do on the field, but because of how you have fun. So for MLB, get rid of the traditional nonsense. Think about how can your players have fun with the fans, interact, show them behind the scenes, show cameras in the dugouts in the locker room, show them doing things with the fans in the crowd. Don't make it just about how well they perform in the field. Every guy can hit a double. Every guy can hit a home run. Every guy can strike one out. We've all seen it before. Yeah. Show how to interact and make that fun, and you'll have a big difference on the fan base that you'll start generating. That's so awesome. So, so I, I will uh, have to tag the uh, Red Sox and hopefully they <laughs> give you a shout here. Either call you to come play baseball or, or give them some insight. The baseball ain't happened. I'm probably throwing about 60 miles an hour now. So maybe the other side, but you know, you think about the opportunities of teams like the Miami Marlins that literally they're drawing less than 5,000 actual people per game. What do you have to lose? You have nothing to lose. The game's already too long, too slow, too boring, but at least get your players involved in making it a show, creating it. Don't take yourself too seriously. Baseball takes itself too seriously. And Nick, I'll argue this. I think most businesses take themselves too seriously. Yep. No one gets excited about saying, I met the most professional person today. You know what? I was working with the most professional company. We want unique. We want fun. We want authentic. We want vulnerable. We want refreshing. And I think if people didn't take themselves too seriously, it'd be amazing. The connection they would start developing with people and re developing real fans. So what is the risk? What is the risk of doing all of those things you just mentioned? What people will think. Criticism. It's why does, why does that matter? Well, it matters to a lot of people because it hurts. It hurts. When we came up with the Savannah Bananas name, <laughs> and I immediately started getting hate emails 
and messages. The owner should be thrown out of town. You guys are embarrassment to the city. You'll never sell a ticket. Biggest mm -hmm. mistake Savannah's ever made. We got all those. Now you better believe a year later, we did a mean tweet video with all those and half of them ended up being season ticket holders. That's a whole nother story. Uh, it hurts. It hurts. We're playing this year and we're getting some criticism. You know, it, it hurts. But if you know who you are and what you stand for, and for us, our company's fans first, and that's how we make decisions, you have to get past that. But I believe strongly, if you're not getting criticized, you're not doing anything. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. How do you keep your fans and your players engaged in the off season? Good question. So especially this year with COVID, that was even a bigger challenge. And so as we shut down the office, you know, a week or two before it was mandatory here, trying to be extra safe. And we uh, had an idea of Palooza. We said, guys, all right, no longer are you ticket, you know, ticket people, no longer are you operations people, no longer are you food and bev. We're all together to be fans first, entertain always. I go, what can we do to entertain our fans more? And so some of the greatest innovation came then. We literally said, all right, let's start to cooking with bananas. So we started going into each other's homes and everyone cooking. None of us can cook. We're all like just like millennials who are learning how to cook. And nice. so cooking with bananas, we did music trivia with our announcer. We started doing music videos with our fans and our, our players at home. We started doing coloring books. We started literally engaging the different way. And then we came up, we said, all right, we're going to create bananas 24 seven. And so that's when our banana insider, an entire new streaming way of watching games and uh, documentary footage uh, and TV shows, we're creating our own Netflix 24 seven. So we started asking that question. You're right with 30 games um, for us, 30 home games, uh, fortunate when you sell it every game and makes it a pretty good business model, but you can't rely on things. I think that's the biggest thing I learned from Walt Disney is that he focused on control your dependencies. Hmm. And when Walt Disney realized, he said, all right, the, the Disney experience depends on movie theaters. It depends on literally, is it clean? Is it dirty? What's the temperature in there? How's the video showing? He said, we need to take this in-house. We need to create our own Disney World experience. And obviously started with Disneyland in, in 1955. And so that's what he realized. So now I'm like, all right, how can we control our own experience? How can we start doing more things, our own food products, our own drinking products, our bananas 24-7 Netflix? I think everyone should ask that question. Right now, what are your dependencies and how do you eliminate them? Yeah. Yeah. What I heard you say, though, was something called Idea Palooza. Yeah. What the heck is that? It's a monthly thing we do. It's uh, ideas are everything for our culture. And I think they're everything for most businesses. Often, uh, a lot of times they just come from the top. Well, no, we crowdsource our ideas in our team because we want to make sure everyone knows how important ideas are. So we have an idea box at the stadium. Uh, and every month we ask a certain question that we're trying to figure out for our fans. Like, you know, what, what can we do to make fans want to stay to the end of the game? You know, mm -hmm. uh, what's, what's a new food experience that we can provide that can get fans excited 24 seven, not just during games. And everyone contributes three, five, six ideas. We go to our stadium club where we have a big whiteboard and says, yes, uh, maybe, and needs work. We don't have any no's because we don't want to skunk anybody. And what we do is we go through and we pitch these ideas. And by the end of the session, everyone puts a name next to it, initials, on who owns it and who's going to implement it. And uh, some of our best, most creative ideas have come from those. And I'll tell you, it's, uh, we have drinks, we have fun. It brings our culture together. It's a big employee experience thing as well. But uh, also it pushes our company to continue to innovate and come up with new ideas. I think that's something that um, a lot of other companies need to start learning to do is listening and acting um, about what people are paying attention, what are people are saying, um, and, and hearing what they're saying and then saying, here's what I'm going to do about it. Yeah. And dedicate time for it. You know, we get so far in the business that we're just focusing on the, the fire that's in front of us right now. 
Yeah. Dedicate time to ideas to innovate and not just for a few people. Put your whole team together. Yeah, that's what's been so valuable for us. So what's next for Jesse Cole? What, two, three, four, five years out? <laughs> you know, it's funny. If I said that five years ago, I never would say where I am right now. Um, but yeah, you know, we're asking questions. And so I think whenever you think about where you want to be in four or five years, don't ask yourself, where do you want to be in four or five years? Ask, you know, mm -hmm. what problems do you want to solve? What questions do you want to solve? And so the questions that we're asking is, um, how can we deliver this experience, the bananas experience to more people in a completely unique way? So we look at how can we take the show on the road, globetrotter style. We look at how can we show this 24-7? How can we have new food items, new drink items? How can we have Airbnbs at our ballpark? How can we create a new banana land type theme park experience at our stadium? You know, those are the questions we ask. Do we know what will happen next? No, but that's what makes it fun. Yeah, that, that's awesome. So I wrap up every podcast with two questions. Mm -hmm. uh, the first question is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And the second question is, is if you could leave a note to all the customer service and all the customer experience representatives and professionals, what would it say? Okay. All right. Let's go. The first one. So uh, a person or a, what was the other part of the question? A person. What, what book or person has influenced you the most? All right. The, the, the books, the books are tough because uh, I read about a hundred books a year. Um, we do book reports on everything. Um, and now I did it this year. I did a, a, a revisit. So what I did is every, every book I came back to almost was completely revisited this year. And um, two books that made a huge impact to revisit. Nope. I'm going to do four because I'm going to break the rule. Sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, Built to last Jim Collins. I uh, was fortunate to speak at an event with him. He's amazing. Uh, Onward by Howard Schultz. Great story about reinvention and re uh, with uh, Starbucks. Um, the third one was our first book that we read as a full team. Um, and that was nuts, the Southwest story. And then the last one is, uh, um, business for punks about brew dog. Uh, the story of that little brewery that, that was a revolutionary fighting their way. So all four of those have made a big impact this year. So, I so they're actually, so they're actually in brew dog is in Columbus, Ohio. Yes. Okay. Brewdog. Yes. Uh, great story. You know, talk about someone, James Watt, uh, who like shares what they believe in and they are relentless and unapologetic yep. about it. Uh, that's our whole staff read that one too and got us fired up as well. Cool. So that's, that's the books. Yep. Um, uh, people, it's always my wife. She's in my, my son Maverick. Sorry. I learn more from them on a daily basis than anyone. Um, cool. and then, uh, the question, a note I could leave for anyone. It's a note that I put on the back of our fans first playbook. And uh, our fans first playbook, we share with everyone, our staff, our players, our coach, our game day staff, our interns, our full-time staff. And it says, be patient in what you want for yourself, but be impatient in how much you give to others. And I believe that is the best note that's helped me and made a more impact on us. It's the people that focus on giving without wanting anything in return that make the biggest impact and get the most given back to them. And so that's why I write a thank you letter every single day. I've started since 2016, written thousands of thank you letters. Um, just give without wanting anything in return and, and be patient in what you want for yourself and patient in what you want to give to others. Very cool. See, so um, all my listeners, you can connect with Jesse on his website, findyouryellowtux.com or the savannabananas.com. Uh, LinkedIn is Yellow Tux Jesse. Uh, Twitter is at Yellow Tux Jesse. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me today. I had a blast and I hope you go bananas. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. 
Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.